All right, I will say good morning. Good morning. Let us begin. Incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Yud Gimel. We are in Meretz Hashem picking up on Yud Beis Amud Beis. Um, so the Gemara says, as for, so first of all, to thank our sponsors, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Cheshvan, Mayor and Rachel Gold for dedicating all the Sherman Joshos this month. In memory of Yonah Tzvi ben Yosef Chaim Elazar Cohen, Normalea Efron for dedicating all the Shimon Drushos this month in celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel ben Mordechai Alevi, and our week of learning sponsors, Mr. Esterson and Malka and Sammy Esterson, in memory of Mrs. Miriam Goldfine, Miriam Bas Matisio. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family in Chama. And also with that, let us begin. So a lot, a lot to do today. Incredible, incredible daf ahead of us today. Just... Uh... All right. So we'll say, so we are picking up. We are picking up in Meretz Hashem on the bottom of. Let's actually pick up from Tanan Hasam. I know I left off with Fenugreek. It's it's like leaving off on such a cliffhanger. What's going to happen with the Tulsan? Okay. So we'll say let's. It's two, four, six, eight, ten lines up from the bottom. So we'll say. So remember again. Yesterday we were focusing a lot, and now we're going to get into the fascinating sugyo in terms of. When, when the halachas regarding trumas and maestras is established. So remember again, we're working off the same basic model that we spoke about yesterday, which is we're operating on a six-year tithing cycle, years one, two, four, and five. Our truma, maestrishon, which are really always fixed, and maestrishani, years three and six are maestrani. So remember again, the reason this is important is because as we're going to see, there are certain items whose tithing year is established based on reaching a particular stage of maturation or growth, even though they may not be picked or harvested until later. That's why knowing this cycle is incredibly important. So let's go. So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, Tanat HaSam, we learned, Hatil son So ultimately, again, Fenugreek, it's tithing year, which we'll say, in other words, which, which year of the, of the cycle it is subject to Depends on when it sprouts. Now again, we'll, we'll define exactly what that means. Grain, olives, when they reach one third of their growth, that establishes their tithing year. So we'll say, so again, j- just, I know you know this, but just to illustrate this. So what that means is as follows. If you have grain, if you have grain that reached one third maturity in year two, but is not harvested until year three, Ultimately, that grain is subject to what? Meister Shani and not Meister Ani. Even though, again, it's being harvested in a Meister Ani year, its Meister obligations are established by when it reaches one-third growth. So, okay, so, that, so now we have Tilson, we have Zesim and Tvua. So, so now I just want to point out, so far we have three categories. We have vegetables, right? When are vegetables, when is their tithing obligation determined? When? When they're picked. Again, and we have, we have a division it bundled or in the baskets, right? We have Tavua and Zesim, one third maturity, and Tilsan, Fenugreek, when it sprouts. We don't know what sprouts means, but we'll see. What does it mean when it sprouts? So Rashi says over here, when you can see the Fenugreek seeds inside of the plant, then it's considered to be mature. The Gemara says, How do you know that Allah 
that that the tvuah and that that the grain and the olives when it reaches one third maturity ultimately it is subject that determines its tithing obligations from where do we know this this is fascinating. The Pasik says as follows Mikit Sheva Shanim Bamoid Shnas Hashmita Bechag Hasukos. So the Torah says as follows. This is in this is in Dvarim, and the Torah here is describing Hakel. So how does the Torah describe Hakel? At the end of seven years, Bamoid Shnas Hashmita Bechag Hasukos. At the end of seven years, this is the Sukis. After Shemitah, right? That's, that's when you have Hakel. Hakel takes place on the Sukkis after Shemitah. Here's the problem. The Torah calls it after seven years, Sukkis after seven years, but it calls it what? Shnas HaShemitah. But it's not Shnas HaShemitah. What is it really? What is it really? Year number eight. So the Gemara says, Shnas HaShemitah, Maya Vidite, Bechag HaSukos, Sheminishi. By the time you get to Sukkis after the Shemitah year, that's no longer year seven. That's year eight. So why does the Torah call it year number seven? to teach us as follows, It comes to teach us a very important lesson, namely, that any grain that has reached one-third maturity prior to Rosh Hashanah of year number eight is given Shemitah status. So therefore, I will say, if you have grain, or that, for that matter, olives, that has reached one-third maturity during the Shemitah year, even though you're not harvesting it until the following year, that produce has Shemitah sanctity and must be treated as such. Therefore, the Torah, when it's describing Hakel over here, talks about the idea that you have Sukkis, which is in year number eight, but Shna calls it Shnasa Shemitah, because you could have, again, produce that is harvested during year number eight, that still has Shemitah sanctity. Look at Rashi. This is what the Pasuk means to say. There is something that is harvested in year number eight, but yet that is Aser, or I should say, not say Aser. But ultimately, again, it has Isurim like Shemitah. Good. So this seems to be the Makar for this halacha of grain. So the Gemara says, there's have, have a beautiful me'ashiloach to share with you on this Gemara, but we'll get a, we'll get a little bit weiter first. So the Gemara says, Amr Rabbi Zeir Ravasi. So Rabbi Zeir said, Ravasi, v'dilma lo ayil klal. So ultimately, how do, you, how do you, first of all, how do you know, how do you know they were talking about grain that reached one-third maturity before Rosh Hashanah? Maybe we're talking about grain that didn't mature at all before Rosh Hashanah. In other words, Maybe Allah only grain that was planted during Shemitah didn't mature, didn't and still and still is unmatured. That Allah Khalamaisa, it's still gonna have Shemitah sanctity. Look at Rashi, the Dumalo Ayo Klal, Afilo Hishiluliz Bashla Bishviz Kaamarachmana, Mitzvah Shviz Limashi Sur Al Khagasukas. Well says, remember again. Here's what the Gemara is suggesting until now. The Gemara is positing that grain that reached one third maturity during the Shemitah year has Shemitah sanctity, even if it's not harvested till year number eight, right? So the Gemara says, well, how do you know that? Maybe it's any grain that was planted during Shemitah, even if what? Even if what? It didn't reach any level of maturity. In other words, maybe being planted during Shemitah enough, I'm sorry, being during, I'm sorry, maybe being planted during Shemitah is enough to endow you with Shemitah sanctity, no matter how much maturity you did or did not gain over the course of the Shemitah year. And maybe what the Torah is actually telling me is like this. Listen, maybe the Torah is telling me that Shemitah 
actually extends until Sukkot of year number eight. Maybe that's what the Torah is saying. In other words, the Torah is telling me that anything you planted during the Shemitah year, or maybe even anything you planted until Sukkot of year number eight, is going to have Shemitah sanctity. Maybe that's the Torah is saying. In other words, all the Gemara is asking is, I understand the, the concept. I understand what the Pasuk is coming to convey to me is that there are elements of the Shemitah year that spill over into year number eight. And I understand, says the Gemara, you're trying to say that that specifically applies to grain, which reached one-third maturity during the Shemitah year, that that grain has Shemitah sanctity, even though it's not harvested until year number eight. All the Gemara is saying is, that's not, I don't know where you see that in the Pasuk. I could just as easily make the argument to say anything planted during year number seven, Shemitah year, even if it didn't attain any significant maturity, has Shemitah sanctity. Furthermore, I could even say, maybe the Torah is telling me that certain dinim of Shemitah actually go until Sukkis of year number eight. To which the Gemara says, Lo, 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 lo. Lo, sagadaytcha dechsev, vechag ha'asiv, betseis hashana. The Pazik says, no, that's not true because the Torah says, the Torah calls Sukkis, Ultimately, again, the Chag HaAsif, the Yom Tev of Gathering, which we'll discuss, but says Hashana, at the end of the year. So the Gemara says, my Asif. What, is, what does Asif mean? If you want to say that the Torah is saying that ultimately Sukkis is the Yom Tev that comes at the time of the harvest, Haksiv Ba'aspicha, the Torah already says that. Right? The Torah already uses Lashana, Ba'aspicha. Ela my Asif Katsir. Rather, what does Asif mean? Asif means that ultimately, again, Sukkis is the time not only of, of, of gathering, but also it's still a time of harvest. The Kim Luhul Rabbanon, and the rabbis know, the Chol Tevua, Shenik Tzira Bechag. So, we'll say, so, here's, so follow the drush over here. What the Torah is saying is the fact that we call Sukkis Chag HaAsif. So again, on the most basic level, we'll say, how we, before you saw Rosh Hashanah, you'd give a how do you define, why, why is it called Chag Asif? Why is it called Chag Asif? Because what was happening over the course of the summer? What was happening over the course of, what was happening? You're leaving out the crops, or really the grain to dry. So Chag Asif is when I bring all of the stuff into my silos, into my granary, into storage. The Torah says, here's the problem. The Torah already says that with the word Ba'aspecha, when you will gather everything in. So Chag Asif must be coming to teach me something different. To which the Gemara says, Asif also means Ketzira that there's certain harvesting that is still done, reaping that is still done on Sukkis. Now watch this. If you're harvesting or reaping wheat on Sukkis, there's one thing I know. Any wheat that's harvested on Sukkis, See, I was saying, in order to harvest wheat on Sukkis, that wheat must have what? reached at least one-third of its maturity, one-third of growth, prior to Rosh Hashanah of that same year. And yet, And it calls it Chag HaAsif at the conclusion of the year. So I will say, if you put all these pieces together, what it means is like this, that any grain you're harvesting during Sukkis, right, Chag HaAsif, that grain belongs to the previous year, to Shemitah. Now, why does that grain belong to the previous year? Because if you're harvesting it during Sukkot, that by definition means what? It reached one-third maturity prior to Rosh Hashanah. So from here you see that when grain reaches one-third maturity, it's almost as if its grain identity is concretized 
and solidified. And at least for tithing purposes, that's when we determine the tithing obligation. But it's like quite, really quite an amazing drasha. So one more time. Chaga Asif teaches, we understand in this context, Asif means Ketzira. Sukkis is a time you harvest wheat. If you're going to harvest wheat on Sukkis, Kimul Rabbanon. The Rabbanon know that that wheat must have reached one-third maturity prior to Rosh Hashanah. And the Torah says the identity of that wheat is Shemitah wheat. The fact that one-third maturity gives it Shemitah identity tells me that for tithing purposes as well, one-third maturity concretizes and solidifies its tithing obligations. Incredible. Incredible. So it says the Gemara, So I'll say this is a great exchange. Come on. The rabbis know the difference between wheat that reached one third and a little bit less than a third. Come on, you know, you, you, they, 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 really, they really know. Look at Rashi for just a moment. What Rabbi Yirmiya was really asking Rabbi Zera is, this is such a precise one third of maturity. Are Chazal really able to make shiurim like this that are so precise? Amrale, lava minalacha. So Rabbi Zira said to Rabbi Yermia, have I not told you before? Lo safik nafshicha lebar mehilchasa. So we'll say literally what this means is do not remove yourself from halacha. What that means, Rashi says, Lo safik nafshicha bar mehilchasa lefak fake bishir chachamim. How many times have I told you, right? How many times, so Rabbi Zira says, Rabbi Yermia, Rabbi Yermia, how many times have I told you? Stop questioning the shiurim of Chazal. Stop questioning the shiurim. Now, we'll say, now, what does this mean? So we'll say, you see, here's what's interesting. What, what Rabbi Yirmiya, what Rabbi Yirmiya is asking Rabbi Zira is a good kasha. And it's kasha we all ask in different ways at different times, which is, see, so let me get this straight. If the wheat re- reaches exactly one-third maturity, then it's Shemitah wheat, right? A little bit less than one-third maturity, ultimately, again, it's not Shemitah wheat. So, are, are the shiurim of Chazal so precise? In other words, I will say, think about this just a moment. If, if you're looking for precision, right, or if you want to be able to measure precision, it would make even a little bit more sense to say that what? If you planted wheat and the wheat was in the ground X number of days. X number, okay, I could measure days. So Rabbi Yermia is saying, how can Chazal make such precise shiurim? Do, could we really live up to such level of precision? So, so Rabbi Zera says, Rabbi Zera says, stop it. We've had this discussion before. And he says, Kalmidos chachamim kenhu. will say, the old measurements always have that level of precision associated with it. Meaning what? For example, Barbam sa'ahu tovel, Barbam sa'chaser kurtav in yachalitbal. We'll say, mikvesti 40 sa'ah. 40 sa'ah. And what happens if you're missing a little bit less than 40 sa'ah? What happens? Mikvah's not kosher. Mikvah's not kosher. Ultimately, again, if, we'll say if you have food that is the volume of an egg, it could contract Tumas Ochlin. But if you have an egg that is missing a little piece the size of a sesame seed, ultimately it doesn't have Tumas Ochlin. Right? If you have an article, if you have a piece of cloth that is three finger breaths by three finger breaths, 
Right, shlosha by shlosha. It's metami tumas medris, which is the tuma that, that happens when, when somebody who's tummy rests on something, supports their weight on something. Shlosha, shlosha, chasr neima achos, inu metami, inu metami medris. So we'll say if you have three by three, less, uh, less than a, less a thread. So we'll say it's not metami tumas medris. So ultimately, again, what was Rabbi Zira responding? We'll say, you know, in the world of shiurim, you always have this line. And if you're on the other side of the line, you don't meet the criteria. That's in any legal system. There's got to be a line. Now, when you stand at that line, you could easily say to yourself, come on, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. So a mikvah that has 40 saws kasher, but you're missing one droplet of water, it's puzzle, right? Food that has the, side, the volume of a saw is metamto. So I'll say that's how any legal system works. That's how any shear works that there has to be that line of demarcation, right? That line, if you're on one side of the line, you're good. If you're on the other side of the line, you're not good. It's the same thing over here. Yes, if you reach, reach the shlish of growth, if you reach the shlish of growth, one third of maturation, ultimately, again, that solidifies, your, in this case, your Shemitah identity. Less than a third, it doesn't. Hadra Amr Yermia. So Rabbi Yermia went ahead and he later on said, Lav milsahi da'amri. The truth is, I take back. I, I, I retract, I retract that which I said. I retract that which I said. So the Gemara says, after all, because the friends of Rav Kahana asked of him the following kasha. He says, look at Rashi, by the way, So we'll say, what Rabbi Yirmiya was wondering about was, could it be that the rabbis have such a level of precision? He was questioning, could they have such precision? Rabbi Zira says, yes, all shiurim are based on this ability to have some level of precision. So Rabbi Yirmiya then retracted. He said, yeah, you're right. He will say, it's an interesting thing about these retractions. It's happening just yesterday. Somebody sent me an email, and then I got a, I don't know, it's never happened to me before. I got a follow-up email saying, Plony so-and-so would like to recall, well, I think that was the Lushan, recall the email that they sent. And I was like, okay, you know, and I thought, like, what, what was happening? So I was curious. I checked my trash. It was one of those emails that went in the trash. Um, and that's why they wanted to retract it. But, you know, so, so, it, was, so it was still there. It's not like you're just, such an incredible yisod, right? In other words, there, you, you, you could notify someone that you would like to take it back. That's very nice. You, you can notify all you want. You can't take it back. You can't take it back. So it's incredible. It's incredible. But here's the difference. The difference is, I will say, when something is a machlokes l'shem shamayim, and people disagree. And it's understood that the disagreement is there to reach MS. Hadjabe, you could take it back because it wasn't about ego and it wasn't about COVID. It was in order to go ahead to reach the MS. So people disagree. And even, by the way, both say, you know, we don't appreciate it because, because we're just reading here on the page. But like, I would imagine this exchange was pretty stark. Right? Rabbi Yermia says to Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Yermia says to Rabbi Zera, Rabbi, come on, could, could, could it really be that the rabbis are so precise? And Rabbi Zera says, how many times have I told you? Stop it. Stop it. Don't take your head out of halacha. Right? So it gets a little, it gets a little testy. And then Rabbi Yermia says, you know what, I take it back. And that's okay. It actually works because it's a machlokis l'shem shamayim. But when we disagree, and when we argue, and when we're nasty, and when we say things that we shouldn't, and it's not l'shem shamayim, it's because of ego, it's because of covet, it's because then ultimately, you could send as many retraction emails as you want. That email, those words still sit 
on the heart and in the soul of the recipient. An incredible yisod. So the Gemara goes weiter. So Rabbi Yermia says, I made a mistake. This is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Klal comes into Eretz Yisrael. Come into Eretz Yisrael. And they had to offer up the Karban HaOmer. So ultimately, again, where did they get the barley for the Omer? Where, where, where did the barley come from, from the Omer? So the Gemara says, Im Tomar, well, that's, what's the big deal? In other words, what do you mean, where did the barley come from? There's plenty of barley in Eretz Yisrael. They come into the land, they're conquering the land, they find barley. Im Tomar, the Ayel Biyad Nochri, so if you want to say that they got the barley from Ananju, that's not going to work. Ketzir Chem Amarachmana, Velo Ketzir Nochri. Ultimately, again, it has to be, it has to be your grain. It has to be your grain. The barley has to come from Jewish grain. It cannot come from non-Jewish grain. The Gemara says, well, first of all, how do you know they offered up the barley in year one? Well, how do you, maybe they didn't offer up the Omer year one when they came into Eretz Yisrael. So, so say, the Pasuk says, that ultimately, again, says in Yoshua, on the day after, right, when they came into the land, on the day after the Pesach, on the day after Pesach, so the Torah is indicating that they eat from Chadash. They eat from new wheat on the day after Pesach. The only way to eat from new wheat on the day after Pesach is how? Is if you offer up the carbon Omer. So it sounds like, it sounds like they offered up the carbon Omer. So they give us, Pesach, Acho. They only eat from the grain. After Pesach, Me'ikara lo Acho. Ultimately again, but beforehand, they did not go ahead and Offer and, and eat from the Chadash, eat from the new grain. So the Gemara says, Dakrivu Omer, Vahadr Achli. So So from where, once again, where did they get the Karbana Omer? Amr Lahani said to them, Kol Shlish Nachri. Ultimately, it will say, so what do you, so there's a very simple Eitzah. There's a very simple Eitzah. You see, you can go ahead and fulfill the obligation of Ketzir Chem, having the barley come from Jewish grain, even if it was owned by a Gentile. How so? As long as the Jews took ownership over it when? When it was less than one third, when it had reached less than one third of its maturity. So grain before reaching one third of its maturity doesn't really have a complete identity of grain. So as long as it became Jewishly owned before one third maturity, so by the time it's in Jewish possession, it reaches that one third benchmark, that's called Kitzirchem. Nachri. Ayvi Gemara says, so we'll say, but one second, that's presupposing. Rashi says, So we'll say, but how do you know how, how do you know that people know how to be so precise? To know how to measure what's one third of the maturity of the grain. So the Gemara says, maybe they're wrong. And maybe in fact it was more than one third. And it turns out that they offered up Gentile grain as the Kabbalah Omer. Says they know. In other words, you see from this episode that again, whether it's farmers or it's rabbanim, people know how to gauge when the grain has reached one third of its maturity. So it's just an interesting fact that the first Karbana Omer offered up in Eretz Yisrael under Yoshua 
apparently relied on this Gemara, that any grain that did not reach one-third of its maturity does not have a concretized grain identity. So we've been speaking about that, Legabe Shemitah or Legabe Meiser. But now we see another ramification of it for Omer purposes. They came into Eretz Yisrael, took ownership of, of barley that was less than one-third mature, reached the one-third threshold under Jewish ownership, that satisfies the obligation of Ketzir Chem. And for Rabbi Yirmiyah's purpose, it shows you that Kim Luhu Rabbanon, that Chazal, in this case, again, it was Yoshua, knew how to gauge one-third maturity. So Rabbi Yirmiyah's, Rabbi Yirmiyah's whole premise of do people, do, 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 do Chazal really know how to be so specific in Shiurim? The answer is a resounding yes. Vedoma, lo ayoklal. So the Gibara says, well, maybe, maybe at the end of the day, they didn't go ahead and bring the carbon omer at all. So the Gemara says, So we'll say the Gemara says as follows: Maybe you could tell the difference between something that's not mature at all, but maybe once something reached a certain level of maturity, like it reached a quarter, the ability to tell the difference between a quarter and a third, maybe they don't possess that ability. The nation crossed the Yardin on the 10th of the month. And I will say, if you want to say that the grain didn't grow at all, so maybe the Gemara is suggesting over here that maybe when cloudy soil comes in, they got grain that didn't even grow, didn't even start to grow yet, right? It didn't even start to grow yet. So that's when you could tell, you could tell, you could tell the difference between something that hasn't grown yet, and some, but something that has, let's say, begun to grow. Let's say it's reached some level of maturity. The ability to tell the difference between something that's one quarter complete and one third complete, you can't really do. So maybe when, when Klal Yisrael came into Eretz Yisrael, the grain was just not mature at all. Maybe that's what was happening. To which the Gemara says it doesn't work, and I'll tell you why. Because ultimately, Klal Yisrael comes into Eretz Yisrael on the 10th of Nisan. And if you want to say that the grain did not mature at all, so maybe you want to see, see, see what's happening over here. We're trying to figure out how did Klal Yisrael offer up the Karbana Omer year number one in Eretz Yisrael. For one simple reason, it's got to be Jewish barley. It's got to be Jewish barley. So to take barley that was grown in a Gentile field, that's not going to work. So, okay, so we suggested that what happened, the grain, when they came in, the grain didn't yet reach one-third maturity. Kalali Yisrael comes in, conquers. Now their grain reaches one-third maturity under Jewish ownership, satisfies Ketzir Maybe not. Maybe when they came in, maybe when they came in, the grain was just planted a little bit before that. There was really nothing, a little, a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth. And that's why you could say that now it's going to be considered to be Jewish grain. But maybe Chazal don't really know how to tell the difference between a quarter growth, a third growth, to which the says it's impossible. I'll tell you why. Chalal Yisrael enters Eretz Yisrael on the 10th of Nisan. The carbon of Omer is offered when? Is offered when? The 15th. Right on the 16th, right? Ultimately, again, if, if at the end of the day, if at the end of the day, they came in on the 10th, and what, and what, it's, it's, and what, there was no grain, it didn't grow at all, in five days, you're going to have, go from zero, you're going to go from little growth to fully mature barley, that doesn't happen. Elamai, da'ayl riva odanki. So I'm going to say, it must have been, that it grew a little bit. It grew a quarter or it grew a sixth. In other words, there was some level of growth that was there. Akati, bichamishin yomi mi kamalya. So we'll say, now the Gemara says, by the way, you brought up a whole nother issue. 
Even if you're right, even if you're right, that the grain reached one-third mature, I'm sorry, it didn't reach one-third maturity by the time Kalal Yisrael came in. So therefore, here's the timeline. Kalal Yisrael comes into Eretz Yisrael on the 10th of Nisan. They conquer, they conquer barley fields. And the barley had, was, was less than one-third mature. Great. Barley identity is not yet concretized. It becomes Jewishly owned before barley identity is concretized. And now ultimately, again, by the time it reaches a third, it's under Jewish ownership. But we'll say, what stage of maturation of barley do you offer up for carbon Omer? Fully mature barley. Right? No one wants to deal with immature barley, right? right? So I'll say, so ultimately, again, you use fully mature barley. Sigmar says, whoa, this is another kasha. How do you go from less than one-third maturity to fully grown barley in five days? We'll say, look how beautiful this is. We'll say, this is truly beautiful. Eretz Tzvi Ksiv. One of the descriptive terms for Eretz Yisrael is the Navi and Daniel calls Eretz Yisrael the land of the Tzvi, right? Eretz Tzvi. So we'll say, what does it mean? Tzvi is the hind or the deer. What, 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 is that, what does that mean? Rashi says so beautifully, Matzvi kal beraglov mikalachayos, right? The Tzvi, the deer or the hind, is the fastest or swiftest of all of the animals. Af Eretz Yisrael kala levashal peroseha mikal haaratzos. The produce of Eretz Yisrael matures faster than any other land. So the Gemara Tzachim Farsham Seches Ksuvis. So the Gemara Tzamai Ista Chalameimar Eretz Tzvik Sivba. You're right. It doesn't make any sense if you're learning this in Gullus, right? It doesn't make any sense if you're thinking about this based on the agricultural reality of every other land. But Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz Tzvi. Eretz Yisrael is called the land of the hind. Right? The produce matures faster in Eretz Yisrael. Hachanami Eretz Tzvi Kesivba. So we'll say, isn't this absolutely beautiful? So how was Klal Yisrael able to enter in on the 10th of Nisan, get immature barley, right? Less than the third growth. And five days later, it's fully complete. That is the bracha of Eretz Yisrael. And I will say, you know, it's incredibly beautiful. If you think about this, even contemporarily, even contemporarily, Look at what has been accomplished in the state of Israel, in Medina Sistral, in Eretz Yisrael. Look at what has been accomplished in under eight decades. Right? Look, look, look at what's been accomplished. It's Mamish and Eretz Tzvi. It's in Eretz Tzvi. Everything in Eretz Yisrael has an accelerated pace, which also helps to explain driving and traffic patterns, right? It's incredible, by the way. It's actually based on Daniel. It's not anyone's fault. This is part of the land. Every, but, but all kidding aside, that's the godless of Eretz Yisrael. Everything happens in an accelerated pace. And I'll tell you what else this fits into. You know, for Bayeshlishi, for Bayeshlishi, there's a machlokes about what's going to happen by the third base of Mikdash. Do we build it or does it come down whole? So we thought about this, like, why does it have to come down whole? We, we could build it, we're, we're, we're capable. Elamai, it could very well be that that's part of the Eretz Tzvi identity as well. That in Eretz Yisrael, things happen in an accelerated pace. Everything happens. The, the normal rules of like taking time and change takes time, all of those things, all of those things, they don't apply in Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael has a different fabric. It's just made up of something dramatically different. It's such, such an incredible idea. So that's how they were able to take barley that only reached one-third maturity upon entering on the 10th of Nisan and by the 15th of Nisan it was fully matured. Incredible, I'll say. Incredible, incredible. And by the way, what is schos? It is also to read this game about Eretz Yisrael. 
When we see the news that came out of Eretz Yisrael yesterday, such wonderful, wonderful news. November 1st, I think, I, think, I don't know if it's been approved yet, but it's close enough. It's the best thing about getting news from Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't have to be real. Just that somebody has have to heard it from someone else who said it, but it's good enough. Halavai, November 1st, Eretz Yisrael, the borders open again, and Eretz Yisrael, we could go home. So the Gemara says as follows, Maskif Rabbi Hanina. So Rabbi Hanina raised the kasha. Rabbi Hanina says, now one second. So both say, so now we've successfully proven, we've successfully proven that one third growth is considered to be maturation. So the, for at least for Shemitah, at least for what we'll call identity, tithing identity purposes. So Maskil Rabbi Hanina, Umi Matzis Amris Dahai Asif Kitsirhu. So both say, remember again, this whole thing is predicated on what? This whole thing is predicated on when the Torah calls Sukis Chag HaAsif, Asif means what? Ktsira. Right? It means harvesting. Because Aspicha means gathering. Asif means ktsira. So the Gemara says, really? We use Chag Asif for something else. So the Gemara says, Vahaksiv, Vahaspicha, Migarncha, Mikvecha, Vahamar. So we'll say, we said, the Pasuk says about Sukis, when you gather, Migarncha from your threshing floor and from your wine press, Vahamar, Bipsolas, Goran, Viakeva, Kasav, Medaber. The Torah is teaching us about the leftover stuff in the wine press and in the threshing floor. And Abosa is telling you that what? That Allah, Alamaisa, you can make make schach from the leftover stuff in your threshing floor and your wine press. The Gemara says, So therefore, again, Chag HaAsif is not, therefore, Chag HaAsif teaches me about what I can go ahead and utilize for schach. The stuff that I gather in, the stuff that's left over after I gather in my produce, that's what I'm allowed to use for schach. So Chag HaAsif teaches me a din in schach. If that's the case, Chaga Asif doesn't mean Ketzira. So I'll say, this is great. Amr Abizir Abizir says, You know, we had this all squared away. We were so happy, right? We had this whole sugya figured out. And Rabbi Zira just brought in, I'm sorry, and Rabbi Hanina just brought an axe down on our entire leave. So you don't usually see Lashat like this, right? They find like, it's, it's almost like you see Rabbi Zira saying, we were so excited. We had the whole thing figured out. We were even tied it back to say for Yoshua. And now comes along Rabbi Hanina and he shattered everything. Allah, Minal. So back to the drawing board. So where do we know that wheat, when it achieves one-third maturity, that solidifies its wheat identity? Both Legabi Shemitah as well as Maiser. Kedesanya. Kedesanya. Rabbi Yonasa ben Yosef Omer. Rabbi Yonasa ben Yosef says as follows. Vasisa Satvua L'shan Shavosai. Isn't this incredible? Shemitah. Shemitah. Pasakan Shemitah. Vasisa Satvua L'shan Shavosai. So there's a bracha. That in year number six, Sachadish Baruch Hu says, I will give you a bounty for three years. I'll give you enough grain for three years. So I'm amazed. Very interesting. Very interesting. Don't read it. For three, but Lishlish. When does the Tvua, when does the grain become grain? When is, it identi- when is its identity solidified and concretized? When? When it reaches a third of its growth maturation. Where says, really? But ultimately, again, that passage teaches me a very important lesson, namely what? Right? We say, what are we going to eat in year number seven? And Sakhalish Baruch says, Right? I'm going to send you my blessing, and you'll have enough grain in year number six for years six, seven, and eight. So I need that passage. You can't take away that shlosha. That right, or I should say, shalosh. I need that shalosh to teach me the Iker, the Iker concept. And now you're hijacking it to go ahead and use teach me shlish. You can't do that. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. 
Ksiv Krachrina. There's another Pasek. What does the Pasek say? Uzratem es hashana hashminis vaachaltem min hatvua yashon ad shana hatashias. So we'll say, listen to this. The Pasek Torah says, you shall plant, you shall plant grain. You shall plant your grain in the eighth year. Now listen to this Pasek. You plant in the eighth year vaachaltem in hatvua yashon and you'll eat from the old grain until the ninth year. So we'll say, now what does that tell you? What's the old grain? What's the old grain? What's the old grain? Year number six grain. Because remember, again, there's no new grain shemit. I mean, there could be stuff that grows on its own. But Lamaisa, the fact that the Torah says, you'll plant the field again in year number eight, and you'll eat from the old grain, until year number nine. The old grain is year number six grain. What does that teach me? That teaches that in year number six, we are given a triple bounty to sustain us for six, seven, and eight. As such, because I learned it from this Pasuk, ultimately, again, L'shalosh, L'shalosh, ultimately, is now open for a drasha, and we can darshan, ultimately, L'shalosh, to mean what? L'shlish. And the way that we tap that Pasuk is, Vasises atvua, L'shlish. When is grain considered to be, when is its grain identity solidified and concretized? Lishlish, when it gets to a third. Beautiful, I will say. Let's go back. So I'll say that, that closes out that sugya. So we now know, so we know a couple of things. We now know vegetables, because let's go through our, our meister list. Right? Vegetables, their identity is solidified when? Bishas lakito, when they're harvested. Okay, again, like I said before, whether put in the basket, bundled, that, that's, we'll leave that on the side for now. Harvested. We now have tvua and zesim, their identity is solidified when? When they reach one third of their maturity. Where do we get that from? Let's just go with the last Russia. Pasik by Shemitah, Vasises Atvua, Lishlish. We move on. Tinan Hasam. Haorez va Dochen va Pargin va Shumshimin. So we'll say this. Orez is rice. Dochan is millet. Pargin are poppy seeds. Shumshimin are sesame, sesame seeds. So all of these items, Shesh Rishu Lifne Rashashana, Miss Astronisha Oh. These items are both said, their identity is solidified as of when? Hashrasha, when they take root. So when they take root, when they take root, determines their Shemitah identity, their tithing identity. Therefore, again, if you plant these items, if you plant these items before Rosh Hashanah, let's say before Rosh Hashanah of a Shemitah year, misastrin l'sha'avar, umutarin b'shviyas. Therefore, again, they would be counted, right? They would be counted, they would be tithed according to the schedule of year number six. Remember again, what do you have in year number six? You have Truma, Maiser Rishon, Maiser Ani. So they will be treated according to year number six and ultimately permitted, permitted for whatever you want, for commerce, for whatever you want during the Shemitah year. Um, I'm sorry, be in love, but if you did not plant these items before Rosh Hashanah of the Shemitah year and you planted it afterwards, then ultimately again, Asurim B'Shviyas, it'll be Asuran Shemitah, and again, if it's not a Shemitah year, again, its tithing cycle will be determined by the following year. So therefore, I will say, interestingly enough, we see that these are now a third category, a third category of items whose identity is determined by when they take root. Amar So Rabba said as follows. Amar So I listen to this. This is actually, this is great. This is great. This is a, a, a line to be underlined. Amar The Rabbanon said, because I will say, here is a good, here is a good summation, um, summary. Ilan Basr Chanata. Now we have not gotten to this yet. We have not learned about fruit trees yet. We'll, we'll get to that in Mirz Hashem. So Ilan, when it comes to trees, right, the tithing identity of trees, or really better stated, of fruits of the trees, is Chanata, blossoming. What that means to be determined. Tvu of Zesim Basr Shlish, Tvu and Zesim, their tithing identity is determined what or when? When they reach one third of their maturity. 
And Yerek, Yerek vegetables, basar lakita. Good. We've learned that all before. Hari Keman, here's the problem. These items you just mentioned, rice and millet and poppy and sesame, where do you get this thing about root, taking root? In other words, we'll say they don't seem to fit into any of these categories. We assume everything kind of fits into one of these three established categories. Either you're a vegetable, right? You're a fruit or you're a grain. Or you're a grain. And yet all these items just mentioned at the end of the day, their, their, their tithing identity is determined by when they take root. So what category is that? So we'll say this is fascinating. Amar Rabba, mitoch sha'asuyin prachin prachin, Azli Rabbanon Basar Hashrasha. Here's what's interesting about these items. These are all items. You both say generally, the items mentioned before, vegetables, fruit, tavua, olives, are all harvested at once. The common denominator of all of these items, the Orez, the Doch, and the Pagan, the Shumshimin, is that they are harvested, the Gemara says, prachin, prachin. They're not, they are not harvested at once. They're harvested a little bit at a time. Rashi says, Listen to this. So the problem is, because these items are harvested at different times, so you would be tempted to go ahead and say at the time of harvesting. But you can't do that because they don't have one harvest date. Therefore, again, Azli Rabbanan Basar Hashrasha. So because they don't have one harvest date, the rabbis decided when establishing their tithing identity, we, want, we always want to make the tithing identity for any group the same. Right? You don't want to have some rice is, is, you know, has this identity, some rice has that identity. Well, because rice is harvested at different times, you could run into that. Therefore, hashrasha, right, taking root, is the great equalizer. It's the great equalizer. It applies to all of them the same. Go back to Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, the problem is, if you go basar lakita, right? Like, because the Gemara assumes that really we should put this, ideally, in the vegetable category. And we should have, the tithing obligation should be established ultimately when you harvest it. The problem is, you're going to end up having things from different years put together. And I must remember again, the halachos of Meiser 101 is what? You can't take minachadash alayashan or minayashan alachadash. So therefore, again, we create an equalizer. They all take root. And they're all, apparently, everything's planted at the same time. And therefore, the assumption is everything takes root at the same time as well. Amrali Abaye, Abaye says, so what do you do? The Yitzpar grono l'soho, v'nim tzatore minachadash shabo alachadash shabo, so, so interestingly enough, Abaye says, well, I'll give you an Eitzah. What should you do? In other words, even if for argument's sake, even if for argument's sake, halacha lemaisa, you went ahead and you didn't go basra hashrasha, but you went basra lekita. So what are you concerned about? If you go basra lekita, that means for argument's sake, you could have some items that are from year one, some rice that's year one rice, some rice that's year two rice, and you're concerned because then you're going to end up going ahead and taking minachadash alayash and yashal alayachadash. Abai says, I'll give you an eitzah. Take all of the rice after it's all been harvested. Put it in one pile. Put it on one pile. And then what? Just, just go ahead and tithe it like that. And when you do that, you could assume that you're tithing the chadash on the chadash and the yashan on the yashan. After all, Milo Tanya, did we not learn? Rabbi Yossi ben Kippar Omer, Amar, Mishum Rabbi Shem Shizuri, Pula Mitzri. 
Pulametri is this Egyptian lentil. Shazaro, Shazaro, Lazera, and you went ahead and you, you planted it in order to get its seeds. Miktsaso Hishushnathne Rashashana, or Miktsaso Hishushnathne Rashashana. And I will say, a situation you have is part of it took root before Rashashana, part of it took root after Rashashana. Ein Tarmen Umaasrin Mize Alzeh. You cannot tithe one part of this crop from another part of the crop. Why not? Because we'll see, you're not allowed to do that. That's my Sir 101. So, so what should you do? Listen to this. Make a big pile of Pula Mitzri, pile everything together, and tithe it like that. Now, why are you allowed to do that? The Gemara says, so we allow that, why? Because we know that in that pile is both Chadash and Yashan. But we assume that whatever you separate out will be representative of both groups. There'll be some Chadash and there'll be some Yashan. The Chadash will be the tithing obligation on the Chadash. And the Yashan will be the Yashan obligation on the Yashan. And that's okay. That works, says the Gemara. So as such again, as such again, you don't have to be backed into Hashrasha. Even if you want to go Basra Lakita, there is still a way to remedy this situation. Amrale, Arbas, you know what? We'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up Emirat Hashem again. So we ha- what's, what's exciting about this is we have some major categories. We have Ilan, Basra Chanata, even though we did not learn that yet. We have Tavua and Zaysim, Basra Shlish, one-third maturity. And we have vegetables, Basra Lakita. This other grouping over here of the rice, the millet, the poppy, and the sesame, those are going Basra Hashrasha. We'll close out that category. Tomorrow, Nice to see you.